Welcome to Fright Fix. My name's Sook. My name's Celia. How's your uh, week off going, Celia? It's good. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> it's officially Halloween. I don't know how we got here so fast, but I feel like we were talking about it months ago. Like, what film should we review for the week of Halloween? And now it's here. I don't think we'd make it this far. <laughs> <laughs> I love the uh, commitment you have to this, Sook. <laughs> Could we make it to Halloween? Could we not? But yeah, it's been a, a nice week off just relaxing uh where what did you call us holiday twins holiday twins because you're on holiday as well how are you i'm good i'm good i'm just uh it's just coming up to the tail end of the holiday or vacation and uh yeah i'm just sad i have to go back to work yeah well it has to happen at some point (laughs) absolutely (laughs) you can't you can't spend all of your life being happy can you so no So this week, for Halloween, we'll be reviewing the 1978 classic horror, Halloween, directed by John Carpenter, co-written with producer Deborah Hill, and starring Jamie Lee Curtis in her film debut. Find your Fright Fix anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Fright Fix Podcast and follow us on YouTube. And before we continue, I'm going to give the spoiler warning. If you haven't seen this movie, please go and do so before listening. Um, UK viewers can find it on Netflix. On Halloween night in 1963 six-year-old Mike Myers or Michael Myers brutally murdered his 17-year-old sister Judith. He was sentenced and locked away for 15 years but on October 30th 1978 while being transferred for a court date a 21-year-old Michael Myers steals a car and escapes. He returns to his quiet hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois where he looks for his next victims. That is the right one isn't it? (laughs) No, that's Twilight Zone, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's a brilliant start to the episode. Very close, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, what were your overall thoughts of this classic? Oh, dear, Celia. I I think uh, we might have differing views on this film this week. I don't know. Maybe. Interesting. So I'm in a little bit of a weird position with this film because I grew up with John Carpenter movies. Right. And it was always exciting to see his name like attached Mm. to any movie. So I really enjoyed movies like They Live, uh, Escape from New York. And one of my favorite movies as a kid, which I must have watched more than any other movie in my life, is a movie called Big Trouble in Little China. Never heard of it. Yeah, so it was actually, it didn't financially, it didn't do that well because it was up against an Eddie Murphy movie, which was a dreadful movie. But because Eddie Murphy was massive in the 80s, his right. movie overtook. But however, uh, Big Trouble in Little China uh, was clearly the superior movie in every way. But uh, but regardless of that, like uh, somehow I'd always managed to dodge Halloween, even mm. though I, could, I knew it was directed by John Carpenter. I was fully aware of that. But I think because I wasn't a fan of horror or slashers, you know, I mm. didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to watch this movie. But anyway, fast forward to 2021. Uh, thanks to you, I've managed <laughs> to finally pluck up the courage to to watch Halloween and I'm just going to put it out there and say that I was underwhelmed and didn't think it was worth the wait okay interesting I am going to go as far as saying that I was bored for most of the runtime oh and I can already hear the screams of millions and millions of horror fans out there. <laughs> You're like... brave. You're brave coming on a horror podcast <laughs> on Halloween and saying you don't like Halloween. You just don't oh, like us, do you? No, you don't like no. ghosts. You don't like horror films. <laughs> I'm very a uh, horror horror fanist. <laughs> so, um, I just don't think the movie has aged that well. And yeah. I watched it with Jess and she enjoyed it. She liked it. So I definitely think I'm in the minority here yeah and oh man I just felt like I was being hit over the head with a bat with this movie repeatedly being told be scared be scared be scared Mm -hmm. and um I mean don't get me wrong there were some good moments in this movie which you know I can appreciate and I tried my best to put myself in like an audience member from 1978 or 79 when this movie was from and try to watch it in that context and I can totally understand why this film was popular and why it it kind of became the cultural or well horror culture you know, phenomenon mm. that it is. Uh, what's strange is, like, you know, we reviewed Friday the 13th a while yeah. ago. That film was a direct rip-off of this movie. Like, yeah. and the filmmakers make no bones about it. They are mm. they, they, they are very open with that fact. However, I found, uh, despite the fact 
that Halloween is like visually better looking and the yeah. production value is higher and it's a way, it's a better directed movie. I just didn't find it fun to watch. Right. Whereas I found Friday the Thirteenth very fun. Mm, yeah. What, uh, can I put me out of my misery? What did you? <laughs> <think>? <laughs> So everything you said, uh, I feel the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> this is going like to be interesting. Down to the Friday the 13th bit. <laughs> I know, because you didn't like that one, did you? No. So, yeah, so I I have no um, background of 70s and 80s horror films. Like, I've, I don't know John Carpenter. I had never seen any of these films before. Sure. And so I had nothing to go into with this apart from us watching Friday the 13th. And so that was what my where my bar was. And my bar was incredibly low because I personally didn't really like Friday the 13th. Um, and so I like this one a lot more, actually. Oh, sure. I thought it was, the thing I didn't like about Friday the 13th was how predictable it was. Like you could literally see everything that was about to happen pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I do think that there were a few elements of this film which surprised me in the sense of like, I knew that most of it was going to be cheesy and there's lots of things I didn't like, but some of the bits made me go, oh, okay, all right, that's, that's a little bit different from what I expected you know it does have all of the classic horror tropes you know an old house that everyone's afraid of in the town someone escapes from an asylum they're stalking hiding in the back of a car and you know choking someone from behind you know there's there's all of these elements that make a good horror film around Halloween as in the time of year of Halloween yeah, yeah. and I think what I enjoyed about this film was not that it was good as a film but just that it is very nostalgic of Halloween in my mind sure, you know sure. the whole premise of part of this film is that kids are watching Halloween films throughout like the two kids are watching these scary films um, like really old black and white films throughout so one of the movies they're watching is a, a movie from the 30s or 40s directed by Howard Hawks called The Thing yes yeah and John Carpenter went on to remake The Thing in 82 I think it was really yeah yeah like yeah, it's a great movie we should review so he, that at some point yeah because he must have been planning that well because this is only 1978 Right. Yeah. So I, he must have been planning to do that. Possibly. Possibly. Maybe it was a little hint was, yeah. of what was going to come. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry, yeah, I interrupted do, you. <laughs> we should do that though, because I I haven't seen the original thing or the remake of the thing. I I know it's a thing. How many times going to say thing? <laughs> But, you know, you've got these kids that are watching these Halloween films and they're tucked in at night and they're making, they call them jack-o'-lanterns in America, carving pumpkins. And that's kind of what you're doing while you're watching Halloween. You're kind of settling in for a, and I put this in massive quotes, scary movie, because for me, yeah. this isn't scary. But it just, it feels nostalgic sure, for sure. some reason. And I suppose that's why I enjoyed it was because I was, you know, you've got the iconic music that I didn't actually realise was from here, the, yeah. the piano music. Um, you it is iconic for Halloween and yeah it was just a uh, quite a fun experience but I totally understand what you mean about if you strip away that nostalgia and the fact that it's a classic and you actually watch the film yeah there are lots of elements that are not particularly great and not very gripping um fair, so fair. I think we're probably looking at the film from two completely different angles quite um, possibly yeah yeah it's um it, it it's really strange because the 2018 sequel to this which is I think a direct sequel to this mm. I really liked interesting yeah so it's um and I'd actually I'd actually watch that first mm. only having a cursory kind of understanding of this movie so I had enough understanding of this film to to identify the references and be kind of in the loop with what was going on so do you think that might have affected the way that you viewed this film if you really enjoyed that one was your bar quite high then for this film if I'd watched this one first I would have no craving to watch the rest of the movies right in the series but it purely on the because of the 2018 version I'm very much looking forward to watching Halloween Kills as well right. like, it's because of that one I, I want to go back and watch mm. every entry in the series which I think they're all on Netflix at the moment as well yeah um, so um, here's another bit of trivia and this is just like a general John Carpenter thing he does this in yeah. a lot of his movies but with this one he wrote it directed it mm. shot it did the music this is his brainchild yeah like he um he, he scores a lot of his own movies because I think he was in a band called the Coupe de Ville's before as well and um I think I think one of his I might be getting this wrong but I think one of the band members is the guy that plays Michael Myers I could be totally oh, really? wrong there I am going to quickly Google that because I might be totally wrong <laughs> fake news yeah. do you think 
it, do you think it was that he wanted to do it all? Because I know that this budget for this film was ridiculously small. Yes. Do you think any part of it was that like a budgetary thing, or do you re- do you think he was like, no, I'm going to do all of these things? Because being a director, a producer, a writer, and doing the score, that's a lot for one person to do. I think you're right, and I think it's because, firstly, I want to say I was wrong about that fact. <laughs> N- Nick, is it Nick Castle who does who does the acting for Halloween? I'm, I'm probably I've got wrong there. Tony I- Moran, but I don't know. It's hard when you Google Halloween because there's so many films that you never know if you're looking at the right one or not. Halloween, you know what? Give me two seconds. Oh, so there's two guys that play him. There's so Tony Moran is the one who plays him without the mask. Ah. And then there's Nick Castle, who's the guy I was searching for, who plays him when he does wear the mask. Right. But uh yeah, so scratch my fact about uh the, him being one of the musicians. <laughs> He's not. I got that t- I got it mixed up with someone else. Uh but yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think because the budget was so low, I think uh that's probably what led to John Carpenter doing the music and everything himself. Mm. And maybe he got a taste for it because he ended up scoring those other moves as well. I mean, it's a lot to take on, I think. But I mean, the music is quite iconic in, in the end. You know, when it first came on, I was like, oh, that's where this is from. <laughs> like, I've always wondered where that music comes from. And there you go. And I think also you've got when you when it starts, you've got that piano music, which I'm confusing with the Twilight Zone. And yeah. you've got <laughs> Halloween coming up in that orange lettering. That's a proper 80s film. And, you know, you just kind of, for me, I was just, yeah, yeah, excited that you get all of those. Yeah, there's the music for this one and Twilight Zone and The Exorcist I always get confused yeah it's so easily done as well yeah I think that is a hallmark of one of those classic horror films is if they have that kind of score to them the ones that don't shell out for really good theme tunes I feel they miss out on that element of being a proper horror film yeah <laughs> what did you think of the, uh, the, the the casting and the and their performances so I didn't think the acting was great um, in fact there was there wasn't any bit of acting that I thought was <laughs> good. <laughs> I don't want to be too mean, but I I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but was the acting in the 70s, in the 80s, just worse? Like, was there a different standard? Because any films that I've seen from that era, sure, they're not great. It so I grew up on movies from the 70s and 80s. That was my childhood. Yeah. So and obviously, if the I'm I'm guessing it might have just been a budgetary thing. So if it was a low budget movie, there's a good chance you got you know substandard actors in there but mm. but uh i think the 70s was a great so this movie's te- was would have been produced in the late 70s yeah and um 70s was a great decade for uh for acting there was this kind of a, a new wave in cinema where when we were coming out of the 50s so the the, the 30s through the the 50s there was a lot of musicals in hollywood and right. a lot of that kind of wholesome kind of you know uh, kind of cinema and then coming into like the 60s and in the 70s there's there was this kind of bent towards making films a bit more realistic and a bit more gritty and a bit more ah. of, of life and I don't know if that's that was kind of inspired by the economic climate or something but I think uh, like something like Halloween would never have been made prior to right I mean so, yeah so in the 1960 you had Psycho and that's like an entirely different movie to this yeah. uh, so I think it's just down to which actors you, yeah yeah have really that's fair enough I think maybe I've just because the films that I've seen from the 70s and 80s are all kind of slasher flicks and they're not you know oh, they were fair. never supposed to be amazing for the acting but they just it's the pacing of some of it like there's there's a weird pacing to some of the dialogue in this and I noticed the same in Friday the 13th where there were really long silences yeah. or it feels like they've put in a rough cut of you know you do a scene a hundred times but they don't seem to have chosen the best one that that actor has done so so based on um based on the or I mean this is something that might give you a bit of context or, or might help um mm. so back then they would have been using film film to yeah. to get the performances and because of the budget on this film they probably only had like one take to uh, get things right and see, i think that's sorry come. that's probably it then it's that yeah. it feels like they could have done better and then they never do you know it's just like oh that one thing i would have changed like the way that they look at each other or the stop in between the sentence and little things like that yeah there's this thing i don't even know if this is a fact or not i don't even know if this is or just like a like maybe a story that spiraled out of control about this movie 
but there was talk about they literally only had like three pumpkins in the entire really? movie because of their budget. I think it was that level of. Well, I know that Jamie Lee Curtis um, wore her own clothes for oh, did she? <laughs> the entire film. Yeah, I think she she spent a hundred dollars on her costume where she went to you know just retail shops and bought herself some clothes. Like sure. all of the actors pretty much source their own clothes. Like I know this was such on a shoestring budget. Yeah, yeah. And I I didn't know that until afterwards when I started kind of looking into it a bit more. And then so you know there are bits where you think okay you can understand where they've cut corners. You know I think they were going to sure, film sure. this over a few nights. Like it was going to be that Mike Myers killed people over oh, a few days. Oh really? Yeah. And then because of the budget they decided to just do it all in one night. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so you can you can see where the film would have been different if it was a higher budget. And I also totally understand that now it feels like in Hollywood everything has to be really polished. Like yeah. it has to be perfect. You have to get it dead on every time. And maybe for me, because I'm so used to modern Hollywood as it sure. is now, this just felt really jarring. And you could tell that everybody was acting. And for me, it's like, oh God, like some of them. And the thing that annoyed me the most was when no one in this film knows how to die properly. Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. who told them. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but they all sounded like they were having sex as they died. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. and I will talk about that later in the things yeah. I don't like. <laughs> Sure, yeah, sure, sure. It was just like it it completely pulled me out of my happiness that I was watching a classic yeah. horror film into sure. this is like scary movie ridiculous. Um yes. And then the bit where I did did you see when I think her name uh what's her name? Linda, the other I don't girl. I don't remember any of the girls' names except <laughs> except Laurie Strode. Laurie, yeah. yeah. Well, the other blonde one that was a cheerleader. Right. She it makes me laugh every time I think about it. Um there's a bit where uh Laurie opens the cupboard and her friend's like dead in the cupboard yeah 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 and she's got her eyes crossed and her mouth open with like her tongue out and it's like why did you decide that that was (laughs) how people look when they die it was the most hilarious thing I've ever seen Uh, funnily (laughs) enough I think that scene was where I woke up But it's just like, uh, yeah, the, the the dying scenes were not it. Um, but on the flip side, I was surprised about how much more rounded the character of Mike Myers was than I originally thought he would be. Yeah. I thought he was going to be, like in Friday the 13th, just a nameless stalker. You never know who he is until right at the end. Um, but actually, you do get a backstory to him. He's an actual character in the film. You know, he stalks yeah. them in the car, slams on the brakes when Annie jokes about speed kills yeah yeah he's actually a very prominent character and then we learn obviously from the beginning we learn about the history the snippets from the psychiatrist tells us the kind of character that he is and they do build him up to be a bit more well-rounded than i thought they would yeah yeah so i think that's the the only thing about the characters that i thought was you know worth a mention in a positive way was that yeah his character was a little bit more interesting than friday the 13th where you just don't know anything until the end and it's like oh it's that person okay yeah, I think okay. that's the, one of the key differences between the two films. Their, their approach with the villain is very different where with Mike Myers, you kind of almost become incredibly familiar with him because you see yeah. him so much. Whereas with uh, Friday the 13th, I don't think you ever see the killer, not even no. once until right at the very end. Yeah, no, you, you have no idea who they are. And in some ways that's good because it keeps you guessing, oh, who could it be? Who could it be? But I, I did quite like this. And because I know that Halloween has so many, um, you know, versions after, it I I knew that they were building the character up and it felt like it was going to become something as a series because they were focusing so much on him so I don't know if it was the intention from the start to to have so many sequels but in my mind it was like yeah they are making this character well-rounded so that they can continue his story Um, yeah I I, I didn't know if they were just if this was meant to be just a one and done type movie mm. or I don't think any of these horror movies especially from that era start off with the intention of a big franchise I think they all yeah yeah and then the last thing I'll mention, which is totally going to be calling me out, and you're going to hate me for this, but so on. <laughs> um, one of my one of my guilty pleasures is the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I can imagine what it's about. <laughs> Oh, it's great. It's so much fun. I would recommend it. Um, <laughs> but so one of the, the main housewives is Kyle Richards, who plays the child, the, the girl in this film, you know, the um Annie's babysitting. Oh yeah. Okay. So but in 
um, The Real Housewives, she talks all the time about her acting career and the fact that she was in Halloween and like she's done all this stuff. So when I saw that her name came up and it said introducing or starring, featuring Carl Richards, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually going to see what all the hype is about because she talks about it so much. She didn't do anything. Yeah, she literally yeah. just watched TV the whole time and then moved from one house to another. Yes, like she, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, she's built it up like this was her big break. <laughs> she was just the child A. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But what did you think about the acting and casting? Do you have anything? I, I, th- I think you've summed it up really well. Uh, I don't think there's not as much I can add to what you've said, but I just thought everyone was just okay. Like yeah. it was just, uh, yeah. They, I mean, Donald Pleasance, who plays, I think, is it Loomis or something? Loomis, like, yeah. Yeah. I thought he was the only actor that can, that I felt kind of lent any kind of gravitas to the right. to the movie. I mean, he was like a seasoned actor anyway. Like he's been in like big Hollywood movies. I mean, he was a Bond villain in in, a, was in one, of, one of my favorite Bond movies, actually. Oh, I and, didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, he, yeah, I felt like he gave film some kind of credibility. Uh, I thought the rest of the cast were just okay, like nothing noteworthy at all. I mean, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis would clearly kind of go on to be in some you know big movies yeah. and you know you know have a have a have a quite a good career as an actress and everything. But in this movie, she was just boring and yeah. just meh. I mean, but that was like yeah. with every character, character act, or every actor in this in this movie. And I think it might just come down to budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, no, I think if yeah. if you're if you're right and it was a one take, you know, for most of this stuff, I mean, I don't know if anybody could get it well on a on a first take or even five takes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I might be exaggerating when I say one take, but I think uh, I mean you paid per foot of film. Yeah. So it's kind of I can't imagine they had very much to play with in this film. Because was this budget? Was it three hundred thousand? Or six hundred thousand dollars. I think it was three hundred thousand dollars. This movie, uh, three hundred to three two five. Which I mean, to me, that sounds insanely low. Like not even possible low. Yeah, I mean, it ended up going on to make sixty to seventy million. Wow. Well, maybe it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much the second movie ended up uh, costing. Let's have a look. Oh, so the second one they had two and a half million to play with. So yeah, I suppose based on the the, the gross of this movie, right? And a bit more to play with yeah so did you have any favorite scenes it might be tricky but do you have any elements that you liked about it <laughs> no no so uh, even though I'm kind of crapping all over the movie there were some bits that I did like about the movie there were some right. kind of yeah some moments so firstly I, like when Mike Myers is stalking Laurie and her friends mm-hmm. and you know how he's just becomes this kind of voyeur like I I found it hilarious like <laughs> like when he's like on the road behind the car or hiding amongst the laundry lines yeah yeah. And just looking at Laurie and Laurie takes a look at him and Laurie, lo- rather than Laurie or any of the other people kind of like screaming their heads off or getting terrified or telling yeah. someone like, they always seem to tell someone when it's too late, like yeah. after Mike's gone. And then they're kind of like, there's no one there. Are you going crazy? Like, and But uh, Michael, you know, hiding behind a tree and, you know, like even Jess next to me, she started laughing at those words <laughs> and I was laughing. And, and it just made the movie into a comedy for me. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's kind of what kept me going through the film. Mm. And um, but the sad thing is that would have been entirely unintentional from the filmmaker's perspective. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other bits that I did like, you know, when he um, stabs that person and uh, sticks the person up to the, the wall or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And he kind of yeah he impales him to the to the wall with the with the knife or whatever it was. And then he's just looking at Bob and he's just like tilting his head. Yeah. Just looking at him dying. I just thought that was kind of like a cool little moment. Like they didn't have to do that, but it was like yeah. A, it's like yeah. I did like that moment. Yeah, I like that too because it was it was silent as well. I remember yeah. like there was no music and there, mm. it was just really eerie. They'd kind of changed the pace so that you really focused on this death. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. It kind of um, I mean, this isn't my reading of it. I mean, I'm stealing this reading from someone else, but some uh, someone was saying like uh, that it's like he's there at taking a moment to admire his own work mm. when he's like tilting his head. Uh, but then I was like, yeah, yeah, I can read that, and it just kind of I felt like that was the first part in the movie where it gave. Michael a bit of personality yeah uh, 
Um, so I did like that bit. And uh, uh, another scene that I liked directly after that, where he's got, it's such a comedy moment, but yeah. I, I liked it when he's got the bed sheet over his head and he's wearing the glasses yeah. over it. And he yeah. goes to his, uh, goes to Bob's girlfriend's bed mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's just there standing by the doorway looking at her. And she's like, did you bring me my beer? And yeah. why are you not answering me? This scene goes on forever. And he's just there looking at her and you can see her getting wound up. And then yeah. obviously he goes in for the kill or whatever. So I, that was probably my favorite kill scene in the, yeah. in the film. Um, yeah. And the last bit that kind of stood out for me, which happened very early in the film, is you know when the psychiatrist and his uh, nurse or secretary or someone, mm-hmm. they're driving through the rain and there's this long talking scene between them. But then suddenly you see in the distance just these kind of, you know, in the rain in the night, you see the patients yeah, walking, uh, around. walking around in their robes or their kind of gowns or whatever. And uh, the nurse is like, oh, are they known to be, you know, wandering around in the dark? Or mm. I, I just thought the visual of that was really creepy. Like It was, wasn't it? Because it was, you could just see the headlights of the car shining yeah. on. So then it was like, you can see people in the foreground, but then you're expecting people are also in the background, but you can't see that because they're in shadow. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, yeah. So it was at that point where I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. But then the quality kind of dipped very quickly <laughs> after that for me. But uh, yeah, and that, those that, those are the, the bits that stuck out for me in the film. Yeah. Those are the bits that I liked. So mm. yeah, what about yourself? Yeah. Well, I, I had two of those scenes. Oh, did the you? one with the yeah yeah with the sheet over his head I thought that was oh, fun <laughs> yeah because yeah. Um, I thought it was unpredictable like I did not think that the door no. was going to open and you were going to see him and also the when he kills Bob and that kind of silence I thought was really cool oh um, we had the same scenes okay, yeah awesome. I think I think most of the creativeness did come right at the end like when they were when Mike Myers actually starts entering the houses like that's when it got like like you say you start to wake up a little bit and you're like yeah. okay because it, it, you are right it takes a long time to get there but it, it does make me think that for me this isn't a slasher film because of that so like with Friday the 13th they start dying straight away yeah whereas in this film it does take a long time to get there so it feels more like a mystery you know will it happen won't it happen yeah, type yeah. horror instead but anyway so I think my favorite element of this film was the breathing behind the mask that Mike <laughs> Myers does because <laughs> yeah. you know when you're when you're wearing a mask over your face you, it's kind of like a Darth Vader breath where you can hear it you know yeah. Yeah. Would have been and, a year after the first Star Wars movie as well. Ah, so it might have kind of stuck in people's minds. Maybe, yeah. Um, but I thought that that was a really kind of creepy way of signifying this is Mike Myers and he's coming closer and you can kind of imagine hearing that breath and thinking, oh my God, he's here. You know, if, if, and I really liked at the end when, you know, Mike Myers falls out of the window or he gets yeah. shot out of the window and by some superhuman strength, he disappears. And then they just do shots of the house and then you hear the breathing over the top and like they yeah. didn't have to say anything they're just letting you know that he's still there yeah he's still alive and I think you know for a film that's not great at subtlety that was quite a good ending yeah I think that ending was a last minute change I don't think the movie was originally meant to end like that I think really the ed- ed- yeah the editor came back and changed that to- well, so it was like random shots of the house and the breathing I'm glad over. they did because for me I was like yeah that's pretty cool it works yeah yeah, yeah it does yeah. work Um, I also really like the scene earlier on where um Jamie Lee Curtis's character is walking down the road and she's singing like something about I want us to be alone or she's singing some song and you see the back of Mike Myers standing to one side of the camera and you can yeah. hear him breathing and that that shot of him being close and her far away it just it was quite an interesting shot that they don't really do ever again or before and it spends a long time like they do in quite a lot of these this film is they have long shots that make yeah. you watch it for a while and this was the one that I kind of appreciated because there was something dynamic happening where there were others where they were long shots for in my mind no reason but you know the ones that were a bit more um experimental and creative I was okay with and that was one of them yeah yeah I think John Carpenter was straight out of film school when he made this I know he ma- he made Dark Star which was like his kind of student e film that went I think went to the cinema but then I think this was the first major film yeah yeah that he'd done straight out of school so yeah I suppose maybe he still had that creative enthusiasm for, yeah. as a, that student enthusiasm but that surprises me because I would think he would want to be more creative in this film because there are stuff that is quite generic well this is the thing that I toy with is that is it cheesy and generic now and was it groundbreaking at the time I think that's the case yeah yeah Yeah. because there are things where you know they do people do recreate Halloween all the time in different ways and then you watch the original and you think oh god they're using the same tropes that they have in so many others but you're actually watching the original so it has to detach a little bit it's a it's it's weird thing like um, there's this movie 
that came out a little while ago, oh gosh, maybe about six years ago, called um, John Carter of Mars. It was a Disney movie. Right. And uh, it was a big budget movie and it flopped like it oh. did really badly because people, I think people are just like, it was very derivative of Star Wars and all mm. these other movies, uh, science fiction kind of fancy movies. However, the book that it's originally based on is from like the 1920s or something. Mm. And all, <laughs> pretty much every modern science fiction franchise took inspiration directly from it. So it was uh. being ripped to shreds because it was too similar to the stuff that ripped it off in the first place. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I suppose it's whoever gets there first in that's, the cinema that's it. world. That's oh, it. Yeah, yeah. That poor book. Um, yeah, but yeah. Just, sorry, I just wanted to add something. You know, when you it just came to my mind right now, but you know, when you're talking about the breathing, mm. there was one very creative use of the breathing, which I thought in the movie, where, oh, yeah. you know, when the girl goes into the car and she mm. notices that the windows are all steamed up. <gasps> oh. I, yeah. I thought that was really clever, actually. Um, yes. I, felt like I didn't realise that. Yeah, that was, that was that was intelligence. That was really, that, yeah. you know, yeah, I give that the thumbs up that moment. There's like glimmers, isn't there, in this film of like really cool ideas. and then But it's kind of like mixed in with a lot of not great acting and not great. <laughs> See, it's just kind thing, of yeah. frustrating. But the, the last the last thing I was going to say sure. that, I re- that I appreciated was the fact that they, they use this Mike Myers mask, which is a very light shade. Um, and so what it, it works really well with the colour composition when you put it in a dark room because you just see the, the head and yeah. the mask and it kind of yeah. glows a little bit in the light. Yeah. And they use that a few times where Mike Myers is in a cupboard or behind a door and he's, and all you see is this almost glowing mask of his face. And I think that that's, that was really cool. Because um, in films, I'm always, especially when they've got stalkers and things where they could be anywhere, I often get annoyed that they're not in more shots because I really sure. want to see a film where everywhere you look if you look hard enough you find the the stalker in the background and this started to do that a little bit in some scenes where you're like oh if you blinked you would have missed him being there um and so i thought that was quite cool that they decided to go for that type of mask which is a guy from star trek right yeah so the (laughs) so the mask is uh it's a william shatner mask and uh i think what they did with the mask was just darken the hair spray painted the mask white right and then cut the eye holes larger yeah and yeah that's Mike Myers that's the mask it looks like skin and that's what because I always thought because I'd never seen this film I thought yeah. it was someone's skin that he was wearing in the film that's really interesting you say that because even so I went into the movie fully knowing what who the mask was based on because this looks like this kind of really famous Hollywood fact yeah and uh, when he digs up his sister I think he digs up his sister yeah in my for some reason I thought oh does he put his sister's skin on or something like I uh, thought that yeah that I thought that's what quite... he was going to do yeah, well, I thought, quite... you know, the scene where um, he, he steals the boiler suit from the plumber and the psychiatrist finds the uh, car and then yeah. his like clothes on the floor. I thought it was then going to pan over to a man without skin on his face. <laughs> like yeah. I thought he'd taken his face as well. Sure, sure. That would have been interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that'd be a bit more gory. But so I fully thought that's what it, what it was. But then the sheriff says, oh, someone broke into the hardware store and all they stole was a Halloween mask and a knife or something. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, yeah, because yeah. the, the I had no so yeah, I think you see a car and it's like a, a like a garage mechanic or something. Yeah, I had no idea his suit was from a mechanic, like that's something uh, new I'd learned in this movie. Yeah, no, I, I had no idea. I, yeah, I just thought that that was like intentional that he'd wanted to dress like that, but now it seems more like it was just opportunistic that he found yeah. this person. Yeah, yeah, that. that was that was really cool. Yeah, because I had no idea. Yeah, um, so were there any uh bits in the movie that you didn't? like yes <laughs> there were <laughs> the end <laughs> the end um I mean we've kind of touched on a few but the the main thing that really grinds my gears and I know that it's probably just that the it's aged very badly but sure. it is the over over sexualization of women throughout oh, okay. yeah and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it just wouldn't fly today and I think it's no. jarring to watch now because I didn't grow up grow up with these films so for oh, me okay. this is yeah. like totally not like just doesn't sit well with me sure 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 especially the fact that and I know there's controversy about why they did this or in fact if they meant to do this but they kind of say within this film if you have sex equals death if you're a virgin you'll survive like they have this very clear difference between girls who have sex and then girls who save themselves and are you know studying and doing everything right will survive and it it feels just like it it gives off the wrong message for me yeah um but I was I was ha- 
having a look and apparently John Carpenter and Deborah Hill have said over the years that they didn't consciously set out to depict this film as kind of virginity as a way of defeating the killer you know be good and you'll have good Um, (laughs) this is their quote the reason why the horny teens all die is simply that they are so preoccupied with getting laid that they don't notice that there's a killer at large Um, but on the other hand, you've got Laurie who spends a lot of time on her own and therefore she's more alert. I mean, I, I understand if they didn't consciously do that, but it does feel like a reflection of the times in the way that even if they didn't consciously do it, they still did it and they still oh. did. Um, they didn't over-sexualize men at all. There was there was no nudity from men. There was, it was just very in your face. Um, yeah, yeah. No, 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 totally. It's uh, It was funny because every time like, like there was a naked woman that appeared, on screen me and Jess at the same time in unison would just say to each other bibs because <laughs> 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 it, it's so it feels so much like that you're trying to get the teenage boys like all riled up because it's so you know with a lot of movies like especially in the 80s like near enough every action movie had a nude scene yeah. and you know it was just that's just how it was back then I think in the 90s they kind of chilled out a little bit with that yeah. kind of stuff and uh, but and uh, especially with horror movies there's that stereotype or that trope or whatever oh yeah the, the the person who doesn't have sex is the one who slides yeah. to the end or whatever but funny enough this was the first time in in a horror movie or maybe i just wasn't looking for it but this was the first time in a horror movie where i felt like that wasn't so obvious to me right like uh, i mean yeah the over sexualization of the of the young girls mm. or the young ladies or whatever yeah that was very clear that was very apparent yeah. but i didn't feel like they were going for that virgin thing in this movie mm. it felt less like the virgin thing and more of just that she was book smart and that she was a certain type of girl yeah, yeah, and, and of course, with that yeah. was that she was a virgin like she was that was part of what sure. made her the surviving character but wasn't the only reason why she survived but you know yeah. there were bits like <laughs> when Annie gets a tiny splash of something on her so she has to take all of her clothes off oh, yeah. like it was just I think it, it's definitely a generational thing and I totally get that this Absolutely, is of its time yeah. and when yeah. you watch it you watch it of its time but I can't help but feel like it just went down a few levels in my brain of sure, sure, making sure. this film not as good because I don't I didn't enjoy that yeah, I think yeah. I have seen films where they use overtly sexualized women in a really interesting way and this just felt a little bit like they weren't they weren't trying to do anything except for show a few boobs sure sure and, sure, and sometimes sure. for me it's like well you know it's, it's not it's not doing anything yeah yeah I, I can agree with you there I mean I mean for, for me I think my my bar with this movie was so low yeah. <laughs> that, that, the boobs didn't hurt. <laughs> it, the boobs, if anything, didn't really do any. They didn't. It yeah. didn't add anything to the movie. Like, yeah, yeah. There is this. Yeah, I mean, it just felt like it was a bunch of filmmakers in their twenties or whatever. I'm guessing. Yeah. And they were probably high on hormones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they just wanted to add this, and they're like, "Oh, sex sells. Let's add yeah. it." Yeah. And, and that is yeah. the thing. Like, you know, you totally get that sex sells, and that it obviously worked. But it almost gives because this sort of thing gives horror films for me a bad name because yeah, I think yeah, this is yeah. what people think most horror films are is like we've talked about different themes in different films where it gives horror films a bad name but this one just shows that oh yeah it's just basically smart with ghosts or smart with killers and yeah you kind of this is kind of what you're getting but I, yeah. I do acknowledge that it's not it's not you know crude out of its time it's just yeah <laughs> I mean the characters just everything about this movie is very two-dimensional or one-dimensional even yeah so they're sticking the new and doesn't even surprise me at all. That's a good point, actually, because that may, I think I've just figured out why it annoyed me so much was that oh, go on. Lin- Linda and Annie, the other two friends, they they are nothing except for sexualized. So like, yeah. they don't do anything apart from be sexy. And so I yeah. think that's what I have an issue with is that they didn't make those three-dimensional, like you just sure. said, they, they are one-dimensional. And so if they had mixed that in with other elements of their character, maybe it would have sat better with me. But the fact that, they use two characters pretty much just for yes their sex. It, yes, I think that I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's oh, the un- unintentionally, yeah. out. unintentionally, <laughs> or you trigger something in my brain that it's not well rounding the characters and it's just making them. Yeah, makes that. total sense to me. Makes yeah. total sense, and I don't even disagree with you at all. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's the main thing that I didn't like about this film. But there was one other thing that I wonder what you think um, Go on. that really annoyed me. So you know, Loomis. Yes. 
he was absolutely useless throughout this yes. film. Like he waits outside a house all night and he never sees the car parked directly opposite the, the, <laughs> the house that that is the car that was stolen from the asylum. I mean, it, he didn't do anything apart from shoot him at the end. But like the whole way through, I was like, okay, clearly he's not coming back. It's late at night and he seemed, Mike Myers only seems to want to kill on the 30th or Halloween. So why are you still standing there at like two in the morning? <laughs> like go somewhere else or look around and you would see this car <laughs> yeah dear. yeah like the thing with him in general is he was top billed in this movie so his name was the first name to flash up in the, oh. in the opening credits and I think it's because he was the only like named, named. actor and uh, yeah you're right he doesn't do anything in the movie other than just give a bit of kind of exposition dump and uh, I mean Laurie and the other girls are probably you know they do they have more mm. material in the movie so it's surprising that that Laurie didn't get the final kill or if the other girls weren't billed higher than then yes yeah. uh, I feel like uh, his character was just there to tell us Mike Myers's backstory yeah that, that's all he was there for yeah yeah it's like um Marlon Brando in the 78 oh funny enough same year as this movie I think yeah so so in 1978 when they made the first Superman movie right like Marlon Brando was top billed in that film even though he was in it and I think he got paid the most and he but he was only in it for like three minutes really yeah yeah it was oh gosh it's yeah and uh and I, it may have been the same with Godfather father as well possibly uh but, but he was yeah. in it for a bit longer in the godfather yes he was con- compared to compared to these two movies yeah 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 maybe it's just a marketing thing and i suppose again back to the budget thing could you pay an actor like is it donald pleasance yeah for extended runtime probably not whereas you could do a lot of you know introducing actors to their first on-screen performance yeah for cheaper yeah. maybe absolutely yeah yeah i mean they probably filmed all of donald stuff in by one night possibly yeah yeah that's a good point get it all out of the way so was there anything you didn't like that we haven't already mentioned I feel like we're kind of going off on one yeah I mean a lot of the stuff I didn't like I've already already mentioned uh just touching up kind of upon one of your points or expanding upon one of your points is because the you know how you said about the um we were just talking about how the the the, the other characters were all very two-dimensional yeah and it frustrated me just the slow pace of the, the first two acts of the movie and I just kind of wished they they gave the girls so there's three girls in this movie that are mm-hmm. like the main kind of girls I just wish they gave them some kind of personality or some kind right. of something like it's not like there wasn't enough time for them I mean they had lots of screen time that's the yeah. thing like but they were just written so badly and mm. uh, and it just uh, I just found the first two acts so boring mm. like there just nothing happens and maybe if they did just have a bit more of a personality uh, then you know might have saved the movie a little bit in my yeah. in my mind and maybe then maybe then certain things like the the sexualization of them or whatever maybe they could have owned it a little bit more or something yeah it, it rounds their characters out because they're more than just meat yeah. basically meat. Yeah. exactly yeah yeah that was one of my that was one of my dislikes of the movie that's probably as deep as i get when it comes to dislikes i mean the other thing was you know the ending when um laurie and uh, mike myers are are having their battle i mean i didn't know this but michael myers character is known as the shape oh is that what the shape because I saw in the cast the shape yeah and I was like who is is that shadow (laughs) (laughs) yeah so his kind of monster name is the shape and uh, yeah when they're having their kind of final battle at the end and then she stabs him and then he collapses behind the sofa and she just kind of chills out on the sofa doesn't check to see if he's dead or not and then he gets up and goes for her again and then you know chases into the cupboard and then she stabs him and then he collapses and she just kind of chills out in the same room next to him (laughs) she doesn't like check to see if he's dead or run away or just she sends the kids out to to get help but she you know it's just the helplessness the not using the brain it's just I just found it's so infuriating it's like run yeah get out of there it'll do something kill him or you know why why would would you build this character up for being like book smart and being able to handle herself and then not do anything with that at the end because you're right it happens all the time in films where they hit someone once they get knocked out and then they just either run away or go you know do something else and it's like stab them in the face like do something to make sure they're actually dead yeah yeah because I think 
think in um, I think that's the, one of the differences in Friday the Thirteenth, where at the end, I mean, yeah, the same pattern happens where the yeah. girl, the, the final girl, is I forget her name, you know, she's running and tripping up over herself, yeah. but she does literally, you know, kill the killer by beheading them. You know, yeah, you are them. not going to mistake that for being alive. <laughs> no, exactly. So there is some kind of fight in in the final girl in Friday yeah. the Thirteenth, whereas with this one, she just locks herself into a cup. I mean, there was a clever bit where she kind of opens the the bedroom door to make the killer think she's run out of the bedroom and she locks herself yeah. in the cupboard but she just spends most of it just screaming and crying but then again there's she had zero development throughout the film anyways so I don't know why I'm surprised so um... but it would have been you said it earlier it would have been so much better if she was the one that killed him like if you're going to do the final girl thing do it properly like don't then have Loomis coming in yeah and he's, he stole it you know what I mean yeah he, he kind of stole her the only thing that she was being built up to do it's it's like she he didn't earn it no and yeah so just kind of came out of nowhere like suddenly gun you know six bullets yeah I just I just found it just that whole final battle just made her look really stupid and incompetent and mm. it's not her fault I mean Jamie Lee Curtis went on to have a really good movie career you know so mm. she's clearly a good actress or actor or whatever and um yeah apparently uh, apparently Jamie Lee Curtis um thought she did terribly in this film like she was waiting so they'd finished filming and she was waiting for a phone call from um John Carpenter saying this is terrible like we're not going to be able to use it oh really yeah yeah she thought she'd, she'd done a terrible <laughs> job but then he rang her and was like oh it's perfect <laughs> well, so her like, standards might be a bit different from John Carpenter's in this film but yeah interesting little fact I mean it, I mean maybe they didn't really have the the, 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 the guts to say anything to her because she's like the daughter of like Tony Curtis and Jan- is it Janet Lee I think the, from Psycho the, yeah yeah she's yeah, their yeah. daughter so she's like daughter of Hollywood royalty so maybe mm. they couldn't say anything to her <laughs> <laughs> that's nepotism at its finest you get to be in Halloween <laughs> because your parents uh, are <laughs> I know right <laughs> Um, and uh, the last kind of thing I want to add is, um, you know, I just, uh, man, it, I just felt like they majorly overused the music in this film. Yeah. And I just felt like it was being shoved down my throat. And by the end of the movie, I was just majorly sick of the music. Yeah. And it just, for me, in, in the space of 90 minutes, it changed from this tune I'd known since I was a kid to this kind of iconic tune to this annoying fever dream that I just couldn't mm. wake out, wake up from. And it starts from the beginning. Like, obviously, the opening credits are great and everything, but then the music does not quit it does not drop even to the point where when after the opening kind of flashback or whatever it was and then the the hospital escape scene or the asylum escape scene and then you cut to Laurie just walking around uh, in kind of her neighbourhood mm. and the music is still going nothing yeah. scary is happening nothing's happening like yeah. but it's still going and I was just like when is it going to quit yes I know it's meant to be a scary film but stop <laughs> have some <laughs> subtlety yeah, yeah. you're like, so right I had to turn on the subtitles actually because they they play that really loud music as yes. they're talking as well. Yeah. And I it's noticed like, that as well, yeah. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the last of my dislikes of the film, but... Uh... So, <laughs> I don't want to ask. <laughs> <laughs> What is your Fright Fix rating, Sook? <laughs> oh, dear. I was kind of hoping, uh, hope, hoping? I was kind of hoping <laughs> our in- inaugural Halloween episode was going to be a real kind of explosive episode and, you know. I mean, it is explosive, but just not <laughs> explosive good. <laughs> yeah. It's like I pulled the pin out of the grenade, but I forgot to throw it at anyone. <laughs> and I just like held it in my hand. And uh, it's, I just feel like it's, I feel like a really bad horror fan for crapping on this film. Mm. And it's like, I totally understand the kind of historical significance of the movie and how much impact it's had on the horror movie genre or the slasher movie genre and just horror culture in general but in 2021 I just didn't enjoy it I just uh I just felt like other films kind of took the foundation that Halloween laid yeah ran with it and did a better job with it and I can't believe I'm saying this I just think Friday the 13th is a better movie in every wow. way where whereas with Friday the 13th it's I remember the characters it's mm. like I remember like you know I can I just felt like they had a bit more going on even though they're all a bit silly in that film but the film is so over the top that it's mm. kind of memorable to me and uh, yeah I, I don't know I, I wonder if that's a thing where where you're one or the other where you're in one camp mm. you're either Halloween or you're Friday the 13th or maybe I'm just inventing that in my head right now oh potentially yeah yeah uh, yeah I mean for all the reasons I'd mentioned in this I, I'd give this film a, a 5 out of 10 okay and, uh, yeah. that's actually higher than I thought you'd give it oh uh, I was talking or a four out of ten, but I felt like that was too much disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah but it's really weird because i enjoyed the 2018 sequel a lot Mm. like i really had a good time with that like to the point Mm. where i remember saying to jess like oh we should watch the original one we should go back and watch it um yeah but yeah what about you Uh, i feel like it yeah i'm still the opposite to you in terms of like i enjoyed watching this film i enjoyed the classic horrorness of it that's not a word horrorness (laughs) but i'm gonna make it one um i i liked its cheesiness in areas i liked how 70s it was from the costume to the film camera to some of the set sets i mean there were parts of it that you just think yeah this is a a halloween film and because we're also watching it around halloween it it did feel really nice to watch this okay fair fair. but then when you actually look at the film itself not just about the way it makes you feel because it's halloween it's not a very good film in so many aspects i think i'm happy that there were some creative you know injections throughout the film and i think i'm the opposite to you in terms of friday the 13th i i prefer this one to friday the 13th because there's a few things that are less predictable in this film for me sure sure and because i've got no you know preconceptions about what this film was going to be and actually my bar was so low like i said before because of friday the 13th that every time it did something slightly unexpected it raised my hopes by quite a lot (laughs) fair enough Um, fair that's fair but the things i didn't like about this film i think have been like the strongest feelings of any episode that we've had like this is actually it riled me up a little bit yeah and and so even though i seem to overall had a better time with this film than you did i actually think my score would be lower because of the things i didn't like so i think i'm probably going to give this mm, maybe a a four out of ten oh really yeah oh my goodness yeah i think it's it's lower because yeah like i said i'm giving it four because of the, the good parts that i liked but it's pulled it way down because the things that are bad for me were really bad oh my goodness so, yeah I thought, I, I thought you were gonna give us the highest score I thought I was really harsh on this film today yeah I mean I, yeah the fact that I enjoyed it overall it kind of yeah is is masked by the fact that it's it really annoyed me as I was watching it and I was like rolling my eyes at points but sure, at bits sure, sure. and I also think if if one of the elements was slightly better maybe I would have been able to say okay the over sexualization of women is is a, a generational thing and it's something that I can you know like if the character development was better if the acting was better if some of the plot development was better maybe I could have been able to give it a much higher score maybe like a six or a seven but because none of the other elements of the film pushed it up it just it for me it fell very low on the ranking system yeah and also I do think about all the other films that we've reviewed and the ones that I have given higher marks for you know they are in a completely different league in my head to this one which you know it might actually be a bit be a bit unfair because this is a really old film and things do change times do move on yeah absolutely yeah but it doesn't really stop that sometimes you just don't like some elements to the point where it really annoys you yeah this has got to be a first that that's happened on this where the person the reviewer that didn't like the film gave a higher score to the film (laughs) than the person that did like the film I think I'm giving a low score in protest I think that's what I was trying to say I'm giving a low score in protest of the things I didn't like but but I think you're completely right that everybody who watches this film will probably have a different view of it because if you grew up at the time this might be a nostalgic hit if you're like me and you're watching it for the first time it might be like a whoa if you had quite high expectations like you did it could really fall short of the mark I think that regardless of the, the score that we've given it today people should still watch this because I mean come on it's Halloween We hope you enjoyed this week's Fright Fix. Join us next week as we explore a new horror film. If you have any suggestions of movies you want us to cover, contact us on Instagram or Twitter, or you can email us at podcast at frightfix.com. See you next time.